This is Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need from America's Mortgage Mentor. With more than 30 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings, you'll learn to take your mortgage practice to new heights. Certified Mortgage Planner and CEO of KineticSparkConsulting.com. Here is Jennifer Duplessis. Hi, welcome back to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis, and today I have a wonderful guest with me. His name is Patrick Tuttle. And for those of you that don't know Patrick, um, you'd have, you would definitely know him if you were in the great state of Texas because that's where his practice is. Um, he is a um, broker owner of his own boutique film, uh, firm. I don't know why I said film. His own boutique, boutique uh, firm uh, called uh, Legacy, right? Legacy, Legacy Real Estate, and he's located in El Paso, Texas. So, Patrick, welcome to Maurice Lending Mastery. I'm so delighted to have you with us. Thanks, Jen. Glad to be here. Good, good. So, so Patrick, tell us a little bit, a, a little bit about um, how you got started in real estate. You know, one thing that I do know in real estate and lending is that none of us go to school for this. We kind of happenstance upon it, you know, through divine intervention or whatever the case may be, right? We, yeah. we happen to get into it. So tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are now um, in, in a compressed period of time, if you could. Okay, well, I got into the real estate business back in 2001, and uh, what had happened is my wife and I had moved to El Paso to help care for her aging parents. Uh, she grew up here in El Paso, and we were realistically the only ones that in her family that could help out with her folks. So we made the choice to move out to El Paso, and um, at, at the time, I was working through a company that we sold personal assessments, and I found that I wasn't good at selling information um, such as the DISC assessment. I oh, had sold okay, those, yeah. and yeah. I wasn't very good at that. And I have a, my wife's sister's husband was a real estate broker here in El Paso, still is, and he sat me down for breakfast one morning and jokingly said, look, you're a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. You don't speak Spanish. There's only one thing you can do in El Paso, and that's sell real estate. <laughs> True story. Yeah. And yeah. So I, I, I took his advice. And, um, you know, uh, three months later, I had my license in hand and went to work for a good local broker. And they were not franchised at the time. They've since uh, changed to franchising. And um, I was desperate. So I had to figure out how to get leads, close leads and, and close sales. First year, in, I closed 26 transactions, uh, somewhere around two and a half, three million. We had a very low price point here in El Paso at the time, mm -hmm. hadn't gone up that much since then. But that's how I got started into, into real estate. It was basically out of desperation. I needed something that could put some uh, cash in the bank and food on the table, and I've been here ever since. That's awesome. Well, so, you know, that's a, that's a great way to get started, too, because I know so many real estate agents, their first year, they close three, five transactions. Yeah. So what do you yeah. think what do you think made your situation different um, to others and maybe you you experience that on a regular basis but I can tell you where I'm at um, we don't experience that at all so what what makes you different to get that kind of other than you're hungry because sometimes being over hungry can be negative right so how did how did you do that what what made you special I don't well I wouldn't say special I, I just had a yeah my yeah. secret sauce was showing up to work you know, I mean, I wouldn't, and that was literally, that's all it was. Yeah. You know, I had come from a background, I had spent 17 years in the retail grocery business before I bought this job of selling assessments. 
And what I knew from the grocery business was that my boss told me to be at work at a certain time, and there were certain things I had to do when I got there. So I looked at my real estate business as a job, and if and even though I didn't have a boss per se, yes, I had a broker, but brokers, honestly, they don't really give you that much support. They don't tell yeah. you that much. It's all up to you. And I said, all right, fine. If If I had a boss, what would my boss be telling me to do? Mm-hmm. And I found resources, and I found old cassette tapes in the office, and I would listen to those cassette tapes, and eventually we found CDs and things like that. And I just learned from top trainers around the country and started applying what I was learning and telling myself, I've got to be at work at a certain time. These are the activities I have to do once I get there to get the appointments, to get the listing, to get the buyer, to get the sale, to get the closing, to get the money. And that's literally all I did was, and and I still do that today. I run a very tight schedule and it's, you, you got to operate as if somebody is telling you what to do. And if you don't have someone to hold yourself accountable, your bank account's going to hold you accountable. And, And that's the ultimate thing is that your bank account will tell you whether or not you've done the work you were supposed to do. That's it. Yeah, and I think, you know, I I think that's amazing, and thank you very much. I mean, it's very simple, right? But, um, you know, I I subscribe a lot to what Brian Buffini says, okay? And he says, you know, the thing about the real estate industry is that people say, you know, hey, the sky's the limit. You can make anything that you want, but there's also a floor. And a lot of people are coming from a very structured background, you know, not typically in sales. A lot of teachers, a lot of ex-military um, you know, or a corporate job where they had a nine to five. And when they get this flexibility of having all this time and being in control of their own destiny, that's where I think the, there's a gap between, you know, the linking of that. There becomes a gap, and I think that's where the issue happens. So if, if you were to give someone advice, and I'm sure you do because you have a whole, a whole office and team, you know, what would you be telling a real estate agent who's listening and, and not really working a full week? What are some of the things that, that you'd be telling them to be able to think back on in order to uh, implement a full-time job? It's got to be worked as a full-time job because it is. You know, there are, I know there are a lot of part-time agents out there, whether they're dual career or they're um, mm-hmm. working, you know, they, they're stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad, whatever it may be. You've got, when you're at work, you have to work. You know, we've got agents that show up and they'll twiddle. You know, they'll check yeah. their email. They will perfect this flyer or perfect that flyer, uh, you know, their business card or their personal branding. And they have no business. They have no clients. You know, yeah. you have to be structured in, in your approach for your personality style. And I'm a big proponent of the DISC-type personality assessments because, you know, Brian Buffini is a great trainer. Mm-hmm. His style of training doesn't work for everybody because okay. some people don't have the discipline to work his style. Mike mm-hmm. Ferry is a great trainer, but in order for me to be a cold call cowboy like Mike Ferry and mm-hmm. his group, I really need to have a high D dominant type personality. That's not me. So you've got to have a schedule that works for you and your personality style and for what you're willing to do if you're willing to do the work to gain the success that you say you want. And the truth is, even once you get there, you have to have the discipline and the accountability to somebody else 
to make sure that you do what you need to do. And my accountability was to my account, my bank account because I had bills to pay and I still have bills to pay. And today, you know, we're to the point where I still have to come into work and I'm here right around eight o'clock every morning and I work a full day. I'm, I'm going home at six, but I'm shutting down the phone and I'm not doing work because of the discipline that I have in doing that. And, you know, we're moder- moderately successful. You, if you look mm-hmm. at Buffini and the training that he does, he, I've got a, a flyer with his stability, success, and significance on there. Right. And yep. we're, we're in that stability phase. You know, mm-hmm. we're not to the point where I can retire and all of my bills are paid. So I'm in that stability phase, and I'm not trying to go to the success phase until I get to the point where I've got all my bills paid and I have that money in the bank to be able to pay for the lifestyle that I want when I retire. Yeah. And many agents and, and mortgage officers as well, many will try to go from that stability phase and they'll try to go to the success phase before it's time. Yeah. And, yeah. and the truth is that most real estate agents and mortgage officers, they're in the stage that's not on that, that flyer and that's the survival phase. Yeah, the very low, the low rung of it. Yeah, yeah. they're, they're yeah. just making it paycheck to paycheck. They've got no money in the bank, and they're not doing the work that's necessary to get the leads in to go get the transactions that you need to help the families or the commercial or whatever it is that they're doing, and they think that they're successful. They're not. They're just lying to themselves, and they won't show up for the meetings. They won't show up for the trainings. And you've got to work this thing like a job, as if there is a boss telling them what to do. And that's one thing I love about the mortgage side of the business is that most mortgage loan officers are on a moderate salary, right. and they have a they have a boss telling them you will do these things or not you won't work here. Right. And I honestly think the real if estate they're side, good. if they're, if they're good. good, yeah. And yeah, if, they, the if they're not, they'll be a processor. Loan officers. <laughs> right. And if they're not good, they need to be a processor or they need to go flip burgers or something like yeah. that because literally they could probably make more money doing that. Maybe they won't have the ego trip of being able the to say, I'm a loan name. officer. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's very interesting. So, you know, as you and I were talking before we started recording the podcast, you also mentioned about coaches. And I think, you know, I was going to bring it up later, but I think this would be a good time to, to bring that up because um, you've already mentioned the disc profiling and whatnot. Um, you know, and I, and I do think that, uh, and so, for, you know, for everybody listening, I'll kind of reiterate what we were talking about. Um, and, and we find this challenge in, in lending, by the way, as well, and that is that um, branch managers are typically, and brokers for real estate offices, um, are typically people that, uh, I'm saying typical, not always, but typically people that were realtors first, became successful, and then became management, right? And so the only yep. way that they know how to get business is the way that they got business. And while that yep. works for some people, it doesn't work for all. So they, they are truly a sales manager, managing the sales, the numbers, you know, handling problems, uh, solving problems, you know, th- that type of thing. But they aren't a um, business manager. They're not managing the business of that individual's uh, mortgage or real estate practice. And that's where the coach comes in. And it's so different and unique because we can, you know, as a coach, and because I'm a coach, but coaches can come in and do the assessment and adapt to the client 
based on the way that the client, um, their personality traits and, and their desires and their needs are, where the, the broker doesn't have time to do that. And the, the branch manager doesn't have time to do that. Um, so what are your thoughts around that, if, if you can expand on what we talked about briefly? Well, no, they, the broker owner and the trainers don't have time to do that, and you're absolutely right. You get a successful agent or a successful mortgage officer, and they have that one-size-fits-all mentality for the most part. And the truth is that one size doesn't fit all. And I'm from the DISC personality assessment, I'm a high S. I'm a high steady with a secondary C, conscientious. I'm not supposed to be successful in sales. The only reason I am is because I've got a very structured approach to it, and I follow that very structured approach. But my lovely wife has a high I, interactive, and secondary D, dominant. She's much better at sales than I am. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't like the so, details and isn't as disciplined as you are. That's the challenge. You know, yeah. and, and, and when we look at mortgage officers and, and other top realtors, most of them will tend to be that high ID or DI where they can you know, they sell, sell the proverbial ice to Eskimos. Well, as Ziegler says, that wouldn't be ethical. They don't need the ice. They've got right. plenty of it. Well, in my world, it's the discipline of following the daily schedule in the way that I'm comfortable doing the work. And yeah. I'm a Christian. I follow the Bible as much as mm -hmm. I can. I'm not perfect. But Proverbs 22.6 says, start children off in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they're not going to turn from it. Well, when you translate that from the Hebrew, the word is bent, B-E-N-T. And that's not that you should teach them the way that you want them to go, but it's what the way that they should go for their personality. Mm -hmm. And yeah. if we can focus on what the individual agent or individual mortgage officer's personality and core competencies are, then we can get them on the right track for their personality. But yeah. most of the times we're trying to put the proverbial square peg into a round hole, mm -hmm. and that's why we don't get the results individually and corporately that we desire. Right. And, you know, and as a result of that, there's a lot of finger, po I call it finger pointing versus thumb pointing, right? So if you're pointing your finger, you're blaming everybody else. If you're thumb pointing, you're blaming yourself. A lot right. of the failure of people that we manage or people that anybody does manage or even a, a loan officer listening who has an assistant or a realtor who has an assistant. Um, and when you say, well, that didn't work. I tried it. They didn't work. That didn't work for me. Most likely it was you, not them. It was the yeah, wrong it's a leadership and your issue. ability, yeah, your ability to lead them in the manner that they need to be led rather than leading, you know, in your way. Um, so I think that's very eye-opening. So thank you for sharing that. That's, um, that's very eye-opening. And I always appreciate um, someone sharing uh, scripture. So thank you so much for doing that as well. Um, so that leads me into one of the, the other things that you and I were talking about is the shift that your firm is making now um, as it kind of relates to this coaching piece, and it's not a coaching call, right, but, but it kind of relates to this coaching piece, and that's the shift that you're making from a traditional real estate brokerage firm into um, what you're now, I, maybe you don't have a description of it, but now that you're just changing that tide um, for other reasons. So can you expand on, on uh, what you're doing with your firm right now? 
Yeah, I can. So, and thanks for asking that question. The um, I've been a steady, I've been a student of the real estate business uh, for years, even before I got into the real estate business. And what I learned is that uh, realty executives started off with a hundred percent concept back in I think it was the '60s, and then Remax came up uh, with something similar and just did a better job of promoting it regionally and then nationally and now internationally through the 1970s and beyond, and then there was a shift in, into what's called the um, commission wars when that started, and mm-hmm. then Keller Williams Realty came along in the late 80s and early 90s, and they've built up their models, and there's plenty of models that are out there, and I've been a part of, of pretty much all of them. I've been with Keller, I've been with Remax, I've been independent, and now I am an independent broker as well. And from the agent standpoint, I saw the need to put more money into the pocket of the agent so that the agent could use the money to go and hire people like you to be able to get the coaching that they need for their personality style. Because I'm one guy here in El Paso, Texas, and while I go to conventions and I study this stuff and I listen to your podcast and I listen to Mike Cerrone's stuff and I listen to Buffini and I follow the core and all of those other trainings to be able to pull in bits and pieces here and there. When I was with their traditional brokerage, I was getting a certain percentage of the gross commission, and then out of that, I was paying to do the marketing and the promotion and the marketing of the individual property. So my bank account, I've literally spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, on coaching and training and promoting so that I can build up to where I am. And I did that when I was on a split at 70-30 with Keller Williams and still had to pay the franchise fee to them. And when I was at a 95-5 with Remax and had to pay administrative fees and things like that. And I've shifted my brokerage to where we're putting 100% of that commission income into the agent's pockets so that they will have more money to be able to invest on the training that they need to in order to become successful. Now, they'll have to build that stability phase first, but then they can mm-hmm. get to that success phase. But what we focus on is trying to help them build that legacy for their family, and that's the reason why we are named Legacy Real Estate Services, because in Proverbs, again, it says that um, a good person will leave a legacy or leave an inheritance to his children's children. Well, if you're going to do that, you've got to build something up for yourself first. So the more money the agent can put into their individual pockets to invest in the coaching and the counseling and the training that people like you can provide, the better off they are going to be. And that's a plug for you in what you do. I've seen what you do. I've listened to your podcasts. I've seen you on YouTube. I've seen your, I've been on your website and on Facebook and y'all do a great job on this. So those of you who are out there listening, if you need somebody to coach you along, call Jen. You know, this is you. this is what she does, and she does it very well, very successfully. Thank you. That was nice of you, but um, I appreciate, and I really do appreciate that. Um, yeah, I think that's a, a you know a unique um, shift because I think what happens, and I'm going to you know reflect back on the lending piece of it as well, is that. Uh, you know, lenders are always talking about, you know, we provide training for you, we provide all this support and, the, you know, and, and sales meetings, and we're going to have all these resources for you, and then they don't do a, a really, a very good job at it. I mean, some might do better in one area and not the other and vice versa, but as a collective uh, company, there's no, I don't know any single company that does a bang-up job 
from end to end. And um, personal development, you know, professional development, um, sales development, I just don't know of anyone who, who does that, any company that does that. And, and think about this, you know, the time that's dedicated to, to even thinking about doing it, having meetings about doing it and then never implementing it or implementing it haphazardly um, and the cost that's associated with that and yet at the same time the company and, and a real estate firm would be saying, well, I'm going to keep that, that portion of the split so that I can dedicate the funds to doing that training and then doing it not, not doing it well. I'd rather put it on the, the employee, so to speak, or the 1099 agent. Um, I'd rather put it on them and say, now you, you put your money where your mouth is. I'm giving you more but you have to be better at how you spend it. You know, your exactly. success is now in your hands. So, yeah. you know, I think that's, uh, and, and, you know, I think it makes people better when they, when they do have, um, they can say they did it, you know, instead of feeling, and I don't want to get political, but, you know, like I built it. Well, no, it's, I I mean, built yeah, it. but you're absolutely yeah. right. You're yeah. absolutely right. It, it, it's just like working out. You know, it's just like the exercise routine that you work. Yeah. <laughs> whether you're doing the high-intensity training, whether you're doing CrossFit, whether you're a marathoner, whether you're doing the obstacle course races, it doesn't matter. It, it's not a one-size-fits-all when it comes to exercise. It's not a one-size-fits-all when it comes to sales. And most broker owners and trainers for companies like yours, mine, and, and all of the other ones around the world – they're going to give you pretty much the one-size-fits-all approach. I would rather put the money into the pocket of the agent so they can go out and find the match that they have for their personality style and their budget and be able to get the, count, the guidance that they need because I haven't seen it all. You know, and there are much better people out there. Buffini is a fantastic trainer. I love the guy. I think he does I a do fantastic too. job. You yeah. know, Mike Ferry does a fantastic job. But it's you can't you, if you're going to be an advocate of Ferry, Buffini's not your guy. If you're going to be a Buffini guy, you're going to hate trying to to do uh, Mike Ferry. Maybe Tom Ferry's the deal. I don't know. Yeah. But allowing the agent the the money to be able to to put it into their pocket to go find that or not. And if they're happy with the moderate success or great success, whatever, on their scale, God bless them. Let them figure yeah. that out. I can point them in the right direction. You can lead the horse to water, but you can't make it drink, you know, Right. and go from there. Yep, yep, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, okay, and you know, it's funny because I just went through that process too. I mean, I, I just left my previous coach, you know, who is nationally recognized as one of the top coaches in the country for loan officers. Um, and I just left him after a year um, because I think what happens is the tide changes for us as well. I think that you could start, you know, with Brian Buffini and then need to move to a Tom Ferry, right? And move to someone else. Maybe go back to Brian Buffini at a different level when you're ready for something else. But um, I think you need to be aware of those shifts that happen in your, your um your business and your personal and professional development as well, because I just went to a different coach for a different need. I felt, okay, I've got what I need here. Now it's time to go um, someplace else to get a different uh, grasp on it and have a new breakthrough, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and it, that's a wise choice that you made because you recognize that it, that coach that you had got you so far, but then once you get to a certain level, you have to move past that to the next level so that you can break through that glass ceiling if that's what it is and you can focus on the things that you need to focus on for your career at that moment. Right. 
Right. Yeah, and I think that's really important. Um, okay, so so let's talk about, um, let's kind of make a shift here, if you don't mind, and let's talk uh, briefly about um, the relationship between realtors and loan officers, this contentious okay. relationship <laughs> that everyone views, you know. I mean, I've been in lending yep. for 34 years, so I, I have the right to say that. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's been a challenge of mine year after year after year, you know, and how do we, um, you know, make more, better communication? How do we ensure that it's a partnership and not a give and take from both sides? You know, the loan officer saying, give me a deal. The realtor saying, hey, I'm going to take uh, from you, I'm going to collect some money from you to do a broker open and never intend to give you any business. So, you know, there, there is give and take on both sides. But what are, some of the, what are some of the strategies for the loan officers who are listening that, that you have experienced in your uh, career, both with you personally and on your team that you've, you know, seen and experienced that, that um, and when you think about it, you know, a handful of loan officers who've made a difference for you or have, have done something that is unique that, that drew you to them, um, what are some strategies that you can give us to, as loan officers um, to try to break uh, that barrier with a, lo- a realtor that we're trying to, one, connect with for the first time, maybe go after a top producer, just someone we like. And two, anybody that we have a current relationship with, how can we enhance that relationship um, so that it doesn't just sort of die off? Okay, so my big thing is uh, proactive communication. And that's a big, big deal for me because I I work a very structured schedule, not only on a daily basis, but also on a weekly basis. And if there is a loan officer that if they want me and my business, then the, the, the thought of giver's gain mm-hmm. is a great one. Mm-hmm. So you don't go with your hand out asking for something, but you go with your hand full offering something. Correct. And that can be, as the Feeney talks about, it being an item of value. So what does that item of value, what, what is it? Well, it may be one of your recordings. So mm-hmm. if, it's a, if it's a CD or a podcast that says, hey, here, this person, Jen's got some great tips. I, here's an audio recording of it. I think you should, you know, you'd listen to this, and I'd love to get together with you for lunch later in the week to discuss what you heard on, the, on that podcast or that recording. That's going with something in your hand, but most loan officers, there's one from a local company. Um, I'd met him on a number of occasions at the Association of Builders meetings. And, you know, he'd hand me three cards and he'd say, hey, I'd love to be able to do some loans for you. I'm like, really? You're just asking me for something? I mean, I know that I'm not all that great, but offer me something that can help my business instead of asking me, let me develop a relationship with you first instead of me, instead of you asking to marry me to the point where I'm going to give you somebody that has trusted me right. to help buy a home, and I don't know you from Adam. Right. I don't know how good you're going to do. Why don't you develop a relationship with me to the point where now I can trust you and I can hold you accountable to what you say you're going to do? And then once you get that transaction, again, proactive communication, give me an update on a weekly basis while the loan's going through. Mm-hmm. Tell me what's going on. Do it on a certain day of the week. Text it to me. Email it to me. Call me. Smoke signal. I don't care. Just communicate with me. Right. You know, just right. give me an update. Hey, right. lender, the this buyer is looking good. Got all their paperwork in. Hey, buyer needs to give me some paperwork. Can you help? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Fine. Mm-hmm. Right. 
but so often it is silence on the other right. end. And I'll call you if there's a problem. That's not proactive. That's not relational. That's not something that can help endear you to me to where I want to send you business. And realtors, same thing. You want the business from that loan officer? Go to that loan officer and do the opposite. Give them something of value. Give them a lead. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the most valuable thing you can do is give them a lead. Don't just give them the trash. Give them some good stuff. Take them to lunch. Get to know these people and develop a relationship with them. But do it through proactive communication, scheduled communication. If you're not doing a transaction with them, call the realtors once a week, every Monday. You've got a list of your top realtors you're going to work with. Call them every week and say, hey, just checking in with you. Anything I can do for you today? No? How about breakfast on Friday? Sure, let's go. Build, Build a relationship with people that you trust. That's the way you're going to get more business on both the realtor side and on the lender side as well. Mm-hmm. So, so if and and I, and I and thank you for sharing that. I, I see that as more of an existing situation, you know, where I can call someone that I that I know that I've met. Um, you know, I, I'm just amazed that you just said, you know, that you <laughs> if a loan officer would hand you three cards and say, "Hey, I'd like to do business," because yeah, I can't believe they're still out there. Um, yeah, they are crazy. It's crazy. Um, it, uh, I'm looking for uh, some assistance in those that are listening are saying, you know, yeah, but, I, you know, I've called this, this top, I've called Patrick, okay, I've called Patrick 20 times, he doesn't want to give me the time of day, he says he has his own lender, he's a listing agent, um, he doesn't need me, how do we penetrate that, what are going to be some other things, I, I mean, maybe just doing a pop-by, you know, using uh, Brian Buffini's pop-by strategy, you know, to Start dabbling that in, showing value, giving value, texting a link to a podcast or a video that they saw that would be helpful. Um, is, it, is it just a matter of dripping for a period of time that finally it gives? Or is there a better way to get attention to really share, you know, for those that are really interested in creating a partnership with people? Well, yeah, the pot buy is a great strategy to do because it's that personal one-on-one the belly-to-belly, the, the press in the flesh, the handshake, looking them in the eye and saying, you know, I, I'd love to do some work with you. I'd love to be given the opportunity to work it. But you've got to do it on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So often the, the drip system, which is the generic emails that we all get, mm-hmm. and most of us probably just delete them, well, that's not building a relationship. Pop by, pick up the phone, call them proactively on a regular basis, And then at some point, if you're not getting anything in return, if you're going with that giving attitude of, I'm going to give Jen this, and I think it would help her business, whether it's a lead or it's a tip or it's something that happened on that last transaction, whatever it may be, go with something in hand and say, here's something that I think could help you. I'd love to discuss this with you, build a relationship with you to see how I can be your go-to lender, your go-to realtor for your transactions. I know I'm not going to get every one of them because I'm not going to be right for everybody, but the ones that I am right for, I want those deals, and I want to know how I can serve you and serve your clients. And then at some point, if you're not getting anything back, then you have to use the four-letter word, next, Next. and move on. You know, you just have to move on because yeah, you're yeah. spinning your wheels. It's not going to do. It's not a good fit. It's not going to match, and move on. You know, here right. in in El Paso, our 
our local population is 85% Hispanic. Most of those are from Mexican origin. And while I speak a good bit of Spanish, I'm not perfect in it. And there are many good qualified loan officers who I just don't mesh with because they have a different culture and I can't match and mirror that culture the way that I should. And there's a better agent for them out there. And I have Mm -hmm. to realize what my limitations are from that standpoint and be able to say next, it's not a good match. If I have the right person, great. I can throw it over there and they can do a fantastic job with it. But if not, I need to have somebody that I can match and mirror with and I can build my business long-term. Right. That's the way that I look at it. Next. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, and that's funny. I knew that four-letter word because I deal with it <laughs> all the time with people in my, uh, you know, I'm, I'm my own. I mean, my own database. You know, I'm saying, okay, next, next person. But I deal with that, you know, as I'm coaching people a lot too. Um, so you, I imagine, you know, you're your top producing um, realtor and company, and you have lenders that you work with, and you know, for various reasons, you love that, love them, and I'm sure that you know they came in with an open hand, you know, giving. They also are very proactive. But if there was one or two things that you can think of that you wish they did for you that they're not doing, what might those be? The number one is communication. It's proactive communication on their mm-hmm. part, whether I'm doing a transaction with them or not. You know, if I'm doing a transaction with them, I want to know how the transaction is going. Is the, is the buyer getting you the information you need to be able to process the loan on time? Has the survey been ordered? Has the homeowner's insurance been ordered? Mm-hmm. Has the appraisal been ordered? Give me that mm-hmm. communication and do it on a regular basis. Once a week yeah. is sufficient most of the time because there's not a whole lot that's going to change week to week. And mm-hmm. I don't need to be updated every minute on the hour or anything like that. Just communicate with me. Let me know you're there and do it proactively to the mm-hmm. point where I don't have to pick up the phone and call you. I know Ooh, that Adam's yeah. going to call me or he's going to send me an email 4 o'clock Wednesday afternoon and give me an update on every one of the buyers that are in his, uh, in his file that we're working right. on. And then if we're not working on a transaction, give me a call and let me know that you care enough about me and my business that you want to help me and be there for me when I have that opportunity for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's real key. I, I want to reiterate that again, and I may not have the exact words that you just used, but the phone call isn't, hi, I'm checking in, what do you have for me? The phone call is, hi, I'm checking in, how can I help you? Right, and, and that how can you help can be a deal. It can be that I've, I picked up a buyer lead over the weekend, and here's Joe and Mary buyer, and would you please get them a prequal letter so that we can have this offer go through? Or that can be, hey, how's the family? Do you guys do anything special over the weekend? How's your kid off at college? How's your kid in kindergarten? How's, the, how's your wife? How's your husband? You know, what's going on? To me, it's all about that relationship of me knowing what's going on in that loan officer's life and that loan officer knowing what's going on in my life. And loan officers, the, the good news for you guys is there are agents galore out there that you can develop those relationships with, and you only need a few of them to get you the lead generation that you need. But the realtors have it tougher because we don't the, all of our sellers and all of our buyers aren't going out there and and they're not easily identified as much as the realtors are easily identified and i think from a prospecting standpoint it's easier for a loan officer to develop a relationship with a realtor who has the opportunity to do multiple transactions throughout a year 
most of our transactions in the real estate community from the realtor side are going to be one-off. We'll do five transactions with somebody throughout the lifetime of a relationship. Maybe mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. going to be one to two personally for those people and three to five in the, re- the referrals that they will send us. But from a realtor, if you get a good realtor who's closing you know, 10, 12, 15 buyers a year, if you can get half of the business from them, well, call that six, and then how many is your, tr- your transaction goal? Multiply that by the number of realtors, develop relationships with those, that number of, re- of realtors. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, you know, um, the other thing, and I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, but I'll share it for your benefit too, Patrick, is one, one of the podcasts that um, I recorded recently. And I don't know if it's actually live yet, but it's called The Twelve Apostles. And, um, you know, I was talking with someone and I say, gosh, it's like the 12 apostles. I'm looking for someone that will leave their loyalty, right? If they have loyalty, they'll leave and they'll follow me, right? And I'm going to guide them and I'm going to guide them um, to success because I want to be their partner. And so many times in our industry, you know, we're we're in our own little boats going in circles with our one-sided oar, right? And we hit. Right. And fish flop back and forth, and we say, thanks, that was great, let's do it again. And then we continue to go in circles. Well, you know, if we could just get in the boat together and, and row someplace that, that we're both looking forward to going to. Um, and so we have this, this apostle thing. So, so I said, you know, so 12 people, right? 12 people right. who can refer one, let's just say one, one transaction a month. It, it doesn't have to be a realtor. It can be a financial planner for the realtors. It doesn't have to be just a loan officer. It can be financial planners and other people, you know, the, the guy who owns the subway store, your yoga instructor. Who can refer you one person a month, right? And the assumption is that you close that one person because you got it, right? There's no conversion ratio or anything. But just 12 people referring 12 people that you could, um, you know, in that given month that you could work on, even if you had a 50% fallout ratio, you'd have six deals. As a loan officer, six deals as a realtor. For a realtor, mm-hmm. that would be incredible. For a loan officer, that would finally take you off of that 2Z, 3Z, 4, you know, kind of avenue that so many loan officers are in and get you over that hump and have that breakthrough. Imagine those same 12 people giving you two referrals a month. Yeah. Okay? But- and so it's, so it's a real easy process of just saying, find 12. Find 12 and then pull them in. Pull them in and do everything for them. Yeah, but, and that's possible. the relationship part of having right. that relationship with those apostles that are out there. And Ogmandino, in his book, The Greatest Salesman, that's what he talked yeah. about Jesus did. He had those 12 salespeople. One of them fell out. He had yep. to go get another one, you know, yep. so they don't always stick. So, right. <laughs> it, 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 you know, it, it, you got to stay next sometimes. you got to move on and find somebody right. else that can stick. But it, if you do the math on that, the average realtor in the United States of America and Canada closes about six transactions a year. A year. Mm-hmm. Not a month. A right. year. And you just and gave them so a way easy. in which they can have the, the possibility of uh-huh. doing 72 transactions on an annual basis. And that's about what I average. I do 70. Tra- you know, I'm not the biggest guy on the block. We do well, and I'm doing almost 10 times as much, if not more than 10 times as the average realtor. Right, and the same holds It's not rocket science. Yeah, Yeah, it's not rocket science. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. Okay, so as we close up today, I mean, first of all, thank you so much for sharing um, your insight in all these areas. And, you know, some of this is, you know, we've all been doing this for a really long time, so some of it is duplicative, but it's hearing it from 
people, a next person and the next person has the same thought process and they're successful. And we need to heed these words instead of just listening to them and saying, okay, I sat on another podcast and so now I have professional development in my, my pocket for the week. It's, it's really heeding these and, and taking action on them. Um, so I thank you so much for sharing um, your insight in all different kinds of facets. Um, so what, as we kind of close up today, what would you like to leave us with? If you, you know, someone's listening to this and they say, gosh, that was such a great podcast and I love that he shared all these ideas, but man, if I could take away this one nugget of information that he wanted to embark on all of us. Well, for me, the, I, with all of the information that you put out and all of the other coaches that are around the country that put out, all of that is great information but without accountability, it's usually not going to work. Mm -hmm. And I encourage everybody that's listening to this, whether it's on the podcast or they're re-recording or whatever it is, seek accountability of someone who will actually hold you accountable to what you say you're going to do. Because all, you can say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to contact all these people. I'm going to be proactive about that. I'm going to buy that ad. I'm going to do, well, all of that's great talk, but until you actually put action to it, and then from a coaching standpoint, getting feedback to say, okay, you executed on this task this way. Here's how we can help you improve on that same task when you do it again. Let's tweak this. That's coaching. That, and, and I remember when I was in high school football, you know, coach would tell me, this is the way you run this play. And if I ran it the right way, he'd come back and say, good job go do it again. If I didn't do it the right way, he slapped me on the helmet with his whistle, and that hurt because right. it was a big bang in my head. Or grabbed your face mask. <laughs> Absolutely, and ring my bell one way or the other and say, go do it the way I told you to do it. Yeah. That accountability, that's what the coaching is about. It's not counseling. You know, this is not sitting on a couch talking to your therapist. This is go do this, do it this way, and you'll get the result. Again, match that to your personality with what you're comfortable with and then push yourself to get outside your comfort zone because you're going to find the best success most likely outside your comfort zone instead of just sitting in your office looking at the walls if you have an office. But the biggest accountability you're going to have is your bank account, but if you can help have somebody else hold you accountable, you'll be able to build that bank account to where you've got money in the bank, and then you can start making your investments to get you from that stability phase to the success phase, and then eventually to the significance phase. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Thank you, Patrick, so much for joining us today. It has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I really appreciate it. And I wish you all the success, in, you know, as you embark on your new change of tide and as we head into the new year, I wish you all of the success um, that you want and that you wish well, to yeah. reach out for, right? <laughs> Not I, that I, I want for same, you. <laughs> yeah, and I wish the same for you and, and, your, okay. and all the people that are listening as well. I pray that you all have a great year. If there's anything I can do for you, just pick up the phone, call me. I'm happy to help any way that I can. Thanks for your time today and honoring me with even considering me for a call on this. Uh, you know, it tells me I must be doing something right. Um, yeah, you're, if, yeah, if you're making an impact. Paying attention. Yeah, you're making an impact, and that's what it's all about. So, well, thank you again, and uh, everybody, listen. Have a fantastic week. Like I said before, is you know, heed what you're listening to. 
take take action on it. I always t say about taking action, but wow, we just had a couple of great little nuggets that we can use, and hopefully you took lots of copious notes because I did. I've got some, some new uh, scripting, if you will, some catchphrases that I'm going to be using as a result of listening to Patrick today. So again, if, please re write a review on iTunes for me. Let's keep us going, and um, we'll look forward to talking to you next time on Mortgage Lending Mastery. Bye. Thank you for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a comment or rating. Get more free email updates, transcripts, selling and education resources, and Jen's upcoming speaking events. Just visit our website at kineticsparkconsulting.com.